Yeah, here. We're fine. Let's turn the metronome off. No, keep it on. We got to stay in time. Clap on one and three. Wow. Welcome to Get in the Garage. Hey, everybody. It's a music podcast. It is. Today, it's a duo podcast with Luke and I. And Mike is indisposed, making those chips, making that money, supporting his family. <laughs> sure. Being a homeowner. Um, so Luke and I are here today. We're going to be talking about some records that we have checked out recently, some new records and some new to us records. Um, we each chose a brand new record and an old classic that we had never heard before to discuss. And we listened to them all and, uh, let's get into it, Luke. Let's get into it. Want to start with the brand new, brand new, your choice? Yeah. Let's do the new ones first. Yeah. Jeff and Luke's music review. That's right. Fuck Pitchfork. <laughs> Fuck Metacritic. <laughs> Fuck John Rolling Christow. Stone Magazine. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> Christow. Oh, I got actually I'm a big fan of music criticism. And uh Me too. literally uh the only reason I've uh picked the you want to start off with my new one first? Yeah, man. The only reason I picked this album is I didn't read, I, and I still have not read the Pitchfork review, but I saw that this album got like an 8.7 or 8.4 or something like that. I, I did read it, and like many Pitchfork reviews, it was a, quite a read. It took like eight minutes to read this goddamn review. <laughs> I'm so into that. It was good, though. Um, But, yeah, so I that's why I picked it. Um, and What's the name of this record? Uh, it's low is the name of the band, and um, what the heck is the name of this album called? Now that I uh, chose it and can't remember it, the name of this album is called. Oh, it's called New, or no, it's called Hey What. I knew it had something to do with what. <laughs> hey What. It's called Hey What, and the band is low. Yeah. Um, this band has been around for a really long time. Mm-hmm. I think started in like the early. You said you read up on them more than I did. Yeah, I think it said the early 90s. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, Just like I have not listened to anything else by this band, but Mm -hmm. I was interested in listening to some new music and seeing how I felt about it that was created today. So anyway, um, the album I found to be um, somewhat enjoyable. I didn't like super. It wasn't like my whole cup of tea, Okay, I would say, but I did – like most of it, I'd say like seventy five percent of it, I thought was like really, really good. Mm-hmm. And I found on repeat listenings, I did was enjoying it more. Um, Same. So let's like talk about the main thing about this record first. Is it 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 takes um, electronic music mm-hmm. um, that's highly um, texture textured and distorted, yeah, um, into like the more uglier category. And then kind of puts like um, beautiful harmonized like vocals yeah. over that, um, and it's almost like beautiful vocals sung in soundscape. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I had never even heard of this band before, so I did a little research myself. And this is a duo currently. They had a bass player, but the bass player left, uh, I believe, a year or two ago. And so currently, it's a husband and wife band. Um, the the wife plays drums and sings and the husband plays guitar and sings and you're exactly right these were like electronic and like walls of like guitar kind of like feedback and hum and it's music it's chords but it's like sounds more than like guitar strumming ever and uh yeah beautiful singing in it like the harmonies between the two of them it's very uh i saw the band's described as uh was it called like slow core or something? Yes, slow core, which I was <laughs> which like, they what? Re- which they reject. But it is kind of like, if you imagine like a folksy Americana kind of harmonies over just walls of just kind of hums and yeah. Okay, so did you did you like the album? I did like the album. 
Um, part of why I liked it is it was very reminiscent to me of the music. It was kind of like an in-between of the Death, Death Heaven, Death Haven? Death, I, I know what band you're Death talking Heaven. about. Heaven. Um, the Death Heaven kind of like screamed shoegaze stuff meets the bony Vare folksy experimental hybrid and the reason why that made sense i did the research and bj burton produced this album and bj burton is a big collaborator of boney bear uh-huh. he a co-producer on the last two albums which kind of makes sense with all that soundscapey and droniness and dissonance and uh ambiance and yeah i the, liked it a lot though the first song like lyrically and Im- like image wise in this like it reminded me of the lead off track from Self Portrait from Bob Dylan. Mm, yeah. Uh all the white horses in the sun, like how am I gonna get any uh, riding done? Mm-hmm. Like just that like um that phrase like sung o- over and over again. This had that that same like thing and the imagery of white horse like just brought me like right to that sorry I'm whacking the mic stand here. Brought me white right to- what else is new? Welcome to get in the garage. <laughs> Luke hits the mic stand for like an hour <laughs> once a week. Tune in. Um it gave me that like like that classic imagery and also like that album is like an out there Dylan record and yeah. th- this record was I mean I have not listened to anything else by this band but was very much like a statement of like out there mm. and I felt like it was even if they had been making this kind of music before I felt like just the textures were so yeah. out there for like cuz like you got to think like we're getting into like the now now it's like the it's like the deconstruction of of um okay so of like um uh, electronic music like yeah. it's completely and it's like mixed with like you're saying like this folk thing mm-hmm. i think i may have like started to read the pitchfork review and maybe it, they said like emmy lou harris but i did i didn't yeah. want to like i started to and i was like oh, i don't want to read the rest mm-hmm. of those yeah. um mm-hmm. emmy lou harris like um like you know that kind of vibe on top of it mm-hmm. um and i really like that because folk would be the like most deconstructed folk mm-hmm. blues like american music right mm-hmm. and then you have like our modern format being electronic music and then that is like so like deconstructed and messed with and like rattled to the core yeah i thought like those two like uh, we've been talking about like those two things is what makes this album like so intriguing but I also found that like, I think it could have been like for me, man, personally, it could have been as an album listener, could have been like f- 10 minutes less of it. And it would have yeah. 10 minutes less for me would have been like in the pocket, like way, I don't know, just more fulfilling for me. Cause I found yeah. that like at the 35 minute mark, I'm like 40 minute. I'm like, okay. Well, man. let me tell you what this music is not good for. Move in heavy shit at your moving company job at nine o'clock in the morning because I was like, I'm gonna fucking, pa- I'm gonna pass out in the wave of sound and just the throbbing low energy of it all. I'm gonna trip down these fucking stairs with these headphones and this is how they're gonna find my body is listening to music that made me fall asleep at nine a.m. I can't, I can't figure out <laughs> what kind of drugs this music is great on because, like, I, you know, not you know that what? experience, but like, it's there's some kind of drugs with this music. The god bomb. of the god of Joseph Smith, because I also found out these two people are Mormons. <laughs> really? Yes. Strange. It's very strange, but makes sense because it's like it sounds like people who used to be in a punk kind, like a noise post-industrial type of band, and then they got to their late forties, and they're like, you know, I just want to make some stuff that we can like kind of like put as a mood and like mellow out a little and. Yeah, this there's al- still a lot of energy. I don't want to make it seem like this is a this is not a snoozer. It's just like it it's washes in- over you. It's so impactful. It's like it's like um it's taxing to listen to. So it, it's like it's not taxing to listen, but it's like it's a it's a it's it, heavy. It's heavy yeah. to listen to. It's heavy in like a slow build, yeah, building way, and it's kind of like you know what I mean. It's kind of like. You know, and it's not uh, not all the songs are like sad, but it definitely has that like sludgy. Yeah, for a husband and wife duo, the lyrical content, and they've been married, I believe, since like 1993. Like they started the band and got married around the same time. 
it, the, all the lyrics are so like longing and all of the kind of like slightly dark underbelly of love and things like that. And you're like, wait. Yeah, like nothing's on the top surface of like, I love you or like your no. eyes look nice or like shit like yeah. that. It's all, you're right. It's all the lyrics like lie on like some under metaphor of like, like you're just out of reach kind of shit, right? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's yeah. very strange. I mean, it's not strange because, you know, if that's the music that you're feeling and you want to make. Um, but knowing the backstory about the band, I was like, well, I mean, you're like I don't, I don't know if I want to go come over for a dinner party, but I'll listen to your record. Like, <laughs> oh, you're reading that book? <laughs> this this is a couple that like they it's like three candles lit in their living room by five thirty at night. <laughs> um, I thought it was great though, like for real, uh, a great find by you, a great recommendation by Pitchfork. Uh, it. It's it's a slow build. The last track, it really comes in, and it's like finally there's some release and there's some pulsating, like almost electronic hip hop ish on that in that range type of uh, like pulse into it, and a little bit of drums, but like the the woman's credit as drums on the album, and there's like almost no actual drums. That's what I was kind she's of probably thinking doing too, like some, right? She's probably doing some like cymbal like. Sh- <laughs> and like they chop it all up in production, right? And, right. It's probably you're probably right. It's probably more of like that kind of speed. But there's yeah. no snare drum. Did you feel because <laughs> like, I felt like for me because I said like the length of the album mm-hmm. for me like the songs were great, but like I felt like they were also kind of at the same speed. Like they were all kind of at that same yeah. like tempo, and it kind of I said repeat listenings made it better, but it made it hard like when in the middle of the record to really like suss out like. Was that that different than what I just heard? Yeah, I did a lot of that too where I would – because I'm moving stuff while I'm listening and it kind of bleeds into the next song. And I look down and I'm like, is this a new song? I'd like look at my phone and be like, oh, I guess we're in a new song now. And that's uh, that's fine if it's like meant to be more of one giant – I mean, I guess, but yeah. like again, you know. So, yeah, you know. I liked it a lot though. Two yeah. thumbs up for me. I, I want to check out more by this band, especially the album that – preceded this one because that was especially in the pitchfork review and other things i've read about the band that was their new shift into this uh soundscape atmospheric more electronic stuff away from the actual guitars and drums type of thing see i'm more curious of like what was happening with those guitars and drums because well you know me they ha- i think this is this is like the 11th or 12th album yeah so uh their first album that. also looked like it was pretty popular on on yield spotify so yeah, check it out. Yeah, low. And the album again was called what? The album is called Hey What? All capitals. <laughs> hey What? <laughs> yeah, two thumbs up. Good pick. Yeah, very, very interesting. You know, I've been I've been trying to keep up with like some kind of modern music or some kind of just like, even if I don't like it, you're just like, well, I tried something new. Now, you <laughs> said you found this on Pitchfork. Was this purely because you saw the like recent releases and it had a high number and you did like you looked at the first paragraph and you're like oh okay i I could be into this yeah yeah yeah. okay and then like from then on like i because then we started talking about like what we're gonna do yeah and i didn't want to read the review not knowing the band like because like if i already know the band i'll read the review and then i can like form my own opinion on it but sometimes i'm just like well what what is this just let me start clean definitely like no reference point yeah cool um my first pick my new new album is an album that was also released this past weekend. I think it was actually released midweek, which was strange. But this artist is um, very independent as far as I know. And her name's Rhett Madison. And the album is called Pin Up Daddy. And uh, I picked this album because a, a musician I really enjoy, Theo Katzman, who is a singer, drummer, and guitar player in the band Wolfpack. Theo Katzman has been working with Rhett Madison for uh, at least the past year or two, and he's always promoting her music. And he worked on this album as he produced it. He and he uh, mixed it. He played drums and electric guitar on every track that has drums or electric guitar. And uh, this album also features some of the other Wolfpack and Theo Katzman adjacent people. So Joe Dart, the bass player from Wolfpack, who's known for his like staccato, crazy 16th note funkiness, he plays some 
um, very simple kind of like Joni Mitchell style, uh, Carol King style bass on this album. Lee Pardini, who is a keyboard player who plays with the band Dawes and also plays with Theo Katzman's solo uh, group. Lee Pardini plays keys on the album. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I knew nothing about her other than seeing the posts and seeing like the progress and Theo Katzman talking about how the studio's going and how emotional the songs are and how proud he is of her and how much he loves the record. And I kind of waited until the record came out to even like look up the girl and find out anything about her at all. Um, but she's a West, Vir West Virginia native and the music is like country adjacent. It's like American, I would say, rather than country because it has flavors. It has the accent of country and kind of yeah. some of the features, some of the like slide guitar and like kind of steel string-ish type stuff. It... For, you you know what I'm like I like I'm really loving about some like these younger like f like female singer songwriters that have been coming out is that they like I mean because like now I mean everything is everything and like right. all the influences and especially from a young person coming out like what kind of music are they gonna make yeah. I wrote in like my notes of like listening to this I wrote Dolly Parton for oh. a new generation oh cool because yeah. you, you, you yeah, like yeah. this album felt like. Like there was a lot of strong like feeling and yeah, sentiment. Yeah, very personal. And yeah, really personal and like kind of like all inclusive. Yeah. At the same time, and like really like I don't know, and like it was country tinged, yeah. like you know, like even because like Dolly Parton stuff like back in the day was like pop, like nine to five mm -hmm. is like radio pop. Yeah, it's yeah. like a pop song. Right. And then like this was like had like those country pop leanings mm -hmm. like Garth Brooksy mm -hmm. like that kind of stuff from the 90s yeah. that was super popular. But like and then I was kind of having some trouble finding other like things to throw at it because yeah. it, it really did throw like a lot of different turns at you because like um the first song like you I didn't I had no idea the uh well fat guys were involved with this. Mm -hmm. But like uh Pin Up Daddy, like the title track, the first yeah. song, the bass the way it like creeps in and like yeah. it's got that like smooth like drums, mm -hmm. like that's kinda throwing you like a seventies vibe, but then right. like you kinda get into it a little more and like it's like it's thrown like kinda like a country like going into the chorus mm -hmm. kind of thing and you're like, Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, what's the most country or like Americana or folk is her voice because it's it's country vowels, it's country accent. She's like a full throttle singer at all times. Yes. She's like, so in that way, it's very like Miley Cyrus type of style because Miley Cyrus is kind of the same way where it's like full breath and a full sound and full volume. Even when she's getting low, she, she lets the words or the pitch of the note bring it low. But like vocal energy is like high, high, high the whole time. So like I mean for me like the the standout track on here mm. I mean what I, for me it was um I want to get the name of it right is God as a woman oh, okay I thought that track yeah. because you're talking about the vocals I thought mm. that was like yeah super standout uh vocally on this record um it was my f it was it was one of the songs that jumped out and it was at the end towards the end of the record too mm. which it was like I was like oh wow um and I thought it was like a great like second to last track kind of thing. Um, but like the, the way the lyric was like writing about, you know, how, what, what I think it's like, I hope, you know, God is having sex with like a really good sex with a woman and mm. I hope she, God is a woman. And I just like, like, you know, like, you know, throw whatever you want on it. I wanted to hear like the take and I liked how it was sung passionately and yeah. like, it was interesting and that like showed me like the most personality Mm -hmm. on the record of like of who like you are and it was like such like a out there statement that's why you know what i mean i was like that song is killer that's quite a statement like on your first record kind of shit you know yeah i think my favorite song was uh 25 oh yeah 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 um which has a lot of long a lot of long notes a lot of long phrases and um it's about how who she thought she'd be at 25 and she didn't meet that expect those expectations but she's something even more than she ever thought and etc cetera, etc cetera. i like the song kerosene there's tons of like big powerful vocal runs in that her voice and like her style it's like to me it's it's like brandy carlisle meets like the songwriting style of like an alanis morissette yes yeah 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 
because it, it's like it's not as abrasive. It's not near the like the instrumentation isn't even is it, no, isn't nearly like, as abrasive right. as like an Alanis Morissette. I like that song twenty five too because I thought it was kind of like anti like Adele. You know what I mean? Like sure, nineteen yeah. twenty one, like that yeah, kind of yeah. shit. Like I <laughs> thought that was like kind of like yeah. a a funny like poke at that kind of pop stardom yeah. thing. Where like you know I don't know. I just like like the play on it a little how it was different, um, but yeah like that's what I found too like because I was like the you're right because like the that's where I was trying to like have trouble like placing like other artists kind right. of on this because I was like it it it's very like feminine forward and like you know all got all that great stuff but like the instrumentation is more like laid back and easygoing and country tinged and um, yeah. I, I dug heavily dug. Yeah, and, and and some backstory or like some things that influence and you know open up some of the lyrical content and things like that. I believe she's like twenty three or twenty four. So like you said, young, a different generation, a new generation, a wider perspective of of life and people and society. Um, I believe that she's partnered with a trans man. So all the things that come from that, from loving someone who's going through so many life changes and like a, a reckoning with their own. Um, self-identity um, as far as I know she like kind of like went out on her own to try and make it when she left high school and uh, has been grinding for the last five six years and um, yeah it's just like it's a very powerful record like Brandy Carlisle immediately jumped out to me I don't know if you're familiar with her stuff but but she's like the one like in the in the 90s early 2000s it was like Alison Krauss for okay. Americana yeah yeah, yeah and folk and that kind of like cross section and then it became brandy carlisle and brandy carlisle is another person who is a lesbian who's powerful who ha who has uh, a different fan base and is open and accepting and different life perspective and i feel like rhett madison's um music pushes it even further because it's kind of like if you've listened to Phoebe Bridgers, who's like yeah. huge and getting pumped by all of the music magazine stuff over the last uh, two years, um, Rat Madison stuff is kind of in that same world where Phoebe Bridgers is kind of in the sub pop emo rockish yeah. kind of thing, but it's kind of like you know I Venn diagram. They're they're closely related. Two records while you were talking that yeah. like made me think uh, the Casey Musgraves record that came right. out a couple of years ago yeah. and Snail Mail like oh, that yeah. yeah those two kind of mixed kind of yeah. mm, sure yeah yeah so Rhett Madison Pin Up Daddy cool record I uh yeah I enjoyed I mean I'm always like it's like you know the older you get the harder it is to like you know listen to new music there's so much shit to listen to there you know, is there's so <laughs> much stuff to listen to. Like I'm in, I'm there is. I'm deep in like the '80s underground at the moment. Yeah, still rolling deep from last year. Do you have any other new ones that you've checked out that we could just like throw in as a plug? Any new records or, I've checked like, out? Any any ones you considered before settling on the low record? Oh man, um, I I don't know if I've like super talked about it, but like the yep. Ty Siegel that came out last month, I was obsessed with that. Okay. Um, super like, um. Way I mean, he every record he comes out with sounds like a little different, but this one is like electronic. It's oh, got right. it's so fun to listen to in headphones. Mm. It's got like squeaky, like knob turny, like cool, like liquidy oh, nice. noises yeah. and shit. Um, <laughs> it was like one of my favorite albums to listen to in headphones in a long, long, long time. Mm. It sounds completely different out of headphones. Mm. Um, so like that was really cool, and that one is called. Now that I can't think of the name of it, uh, Harmonizer, Ty Siegel's Harmonizer that came out last month. I've been obsessed with that. And then, um, honestly, I've been kind of catching up on like I know it's not like newest newest music, but um, the OCs releases yeah. from last year. I've been catching up on those. The three albums they probably put out last year. Yes, Preoteen uh, <laughs> Threat, which I've been obsessed with all year, and um, I recently got my hands on. Metamorph, metamorphosed. How would you metamorphized? Got shadows down here. <laughs> metamorphosed. I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's what we think it's called. Um, <laughs> this came out last August, so it's like a year old. But um, okay. I listened to this. Um, it's got a great like twenty-three minute song on it hmm. on the A side, uh, which is the title track. So uh, 
Yeah. Very good. Cool. I listen to a lot of that, and you know, just. Uh, I mean, I've I've been trying to catch up on some classics that like have slipped by me. Yeah, I uh, the other new one I considered throwing at you and seeing what you thought um, was is the new Lil Nas X album. Oh, y- well, y- Montero. We should throw this out for just next episode. We should try to do at least I don't know. I've been trying to th- maybe think of like throwing album reviews and in, in yeah, mostly because I want to like see what I like yeah, listening yeah. to new things and I also want to see like make Mike listen to shit he never listens yeah. to. Yeah, I mean, because Lil Nas X is kind of like the media darling and you know his uh, embrace of his sexuality and explicit content. Uh, you know, all the music videos are like him and a group of six male dancers dancing naked in a prison and doing lap dances on Satan's lap and shit like that. Um, but he, the album came out and like the style and the substance and the music, it's all, it's great, man. Like it is very hooky and catchy and digestible. And it's like way better than it needs to be kind of thing. Yeah. Like he could have been, it would have been great if it had like four great, four like radio friendly songs. And I think it's like 15 tracks, and it's like there's not a – to me, there's not any fucking dead weight in it. This was the other one I was going to throw out to you. Oh, Zarface. Zarface. MF Doom. I've been listening to, I listened to that, and that came out this year. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit, man. I was like, yeah. that's so – that's such a that was such a fun record. I listened to that like a ton this week. So yeah. We should make Mike listen to Lil Nas X. Yeah, we really should. It's great, man. That, that'll be homework for next episode. It, like, I want to say it's like it's 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 kind of prince like in its um, flagrant nature and its very overt sexuality and its hookiness. Um, but it's not it's not like prince because it's not like funk, right? And elec- electro hybrid. It's like straight up though, like singing, singing the whole time. I hate when. I hate when it says rapper Lil Nas X. The dude is not a rapper. He's a singer. Who I didn't says think words on pitch. It's sometimes. like it's like hip hop. Like yeah. it's like the hip hop rap thing. Like hip hop's not rap. But they say rapper rap because he's because he's black. Like Nas is a rapper. Like right. Th- and the black eyed peas are hip hop. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that that's a great record. So anybody out there listening, looking for a new thing, and thinking like, oh, Lil Nas X, he's on the Uber Eats commercials. It's probably a fucking bunch of commercial garbage like it's a serious record it's a serious delving into his own trials tribulations struggles with self-identity etc etc and it's fun and it's in your face and it's brash and bubbly and like i i just wish it came out in like may so people be blasting all summer right because now it's coming out and like people it's are, like a fall record yeah, yeah might, and it's not a fall record. there might be like a big a big single coming out like next summer but like by that time yeah, yeah you never yeah He's going to, I mean, he'll have singles the entire winter because there are, he's already had, I think, three from it top the charts or like, you know, be played for the last three, four months. Um, Yeah, really good record. And I'm not someone who's like a pop, I'm not like a pop, pop, pop guy. I like pop to an extent, but this was just like enough of pop, enough of hip hop, enough of kind of that R&B hip hop hybrid uh really good and all of his songs for the most part are like two and a half minutes long so it's just like get to the point do the singing da, 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 that, da, da, that da, shit next that's song. the spot that's the spotify thing yeah because um you get more yeah. money if you play Streams. all the songs through so like all yeah. like these people are like they know they're yeah. like not over two minutes anymore i think he has one song in the album that's like five and a half minutes long that's why i love that Zarface album so much because that album was like 30 minutes long and i was like yup this is amazing it was great you're in out done the other record i was gonna have you listen to uh that i listened to you put like i was on the spot now like i thought of all of them i listened to i also listened to shannon and the clams year of the spider um i saw that that got reviews and a couple people like on my Instagram record thing bought that record, and it was cool. It reminded me like a lot of like um, um, uh, yeah, oh, man, I can't. I'm not gonna be able to think of, like camera obscure, but a little different. Also, I told you I was like thinking about buying that record before I went, and you were like, "That sounds like it's Mike's like it sounds like it's got a bunch of castanets on it and shit." And right. literally, yeah. the title track of that album has fucking castanets like <laughs> raving through the whole thing. It was a good album. I listened to it on my uh, drive home from the record stores one day. So, so I noticed you said 
length of records when it came to the low. What's like the sweet spot for you? 35 minutes. Oh, yeah. 35 to 40 the, minutes. Okay, because I was going to say, if 35 is a sweet spot, that means you're saying 30 to 40. But, yeah. I 35 I, is the best. I, I, uh, mine, I'll give it an extra five minutes because I think if you're 30, really like 38 to 41 minutes, that's like where I want every record. Yeah, I, I agreed. Like, it's in between 35 and 40, a single and 40 commu- minutes. A single commute. Like, you know, yeah. you can actually put it in yeah. and like you could go to go grocery shopping in the 18 minutes it takes you to get there. You listen to half the record and in the 18 minutes it takes you to get back. You listen to the other half. It's like, how long do you think Dark Side of the Moon is just for shits and giggles? <sighs> Dark Side is longer because a couple of tracks are long, but it's I think it's only nine or 10 tracks. I'd say Dark Side is 44 minutes, 42 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. In 42 minutes is like, that's a good album. There's so oh, so Pur- many albums yeah. are 42 minutes. Purple Rain, I think, is 41. Every System of Down album is between 38 and 43 minutes. See, Every Steely Dan album is between 36 and 44 minutes. In the format that we all know I listen to most is yeah. side one and side two right. in a time length. I just find that, I mean, I love... I love a side two opener. I love a side one closer that kills. I mean, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm more into it at that kind of thing, especially this next record that we're going to, I mean, we're going to talk about. We'll take a break, but then we'll come back with our uh, new classics. New old. New old. Old new. Nudies. Have you ever felt emotions? Then do we have the podcast for you. Feel Feelings is a weekly podcast where comedians Danny Getz and George Bruderman sit down with some of the funniest, emotionally distraught people, i.e. comedians, they know, and talk feelings. Every Friday, hear very funny people reminisce on Ren and Stimpy, worry about the Wizard of Oz, and emote over their emo phase. Check out Feel Feelings with Danny and George, a show about feelings and the things that make you feel them. Wow, welcome back. Wow, what great adver- advertisements. Ad- oh, advert. Adverts in my gay garage. Yep, welcome back to the gay garage. Uh, we are back in my basement again. If you hear the lovely furnace going, that's what that is. It's just the mood. Yeah. Set. It kind of smells dank down here, musty, you know? It smells like home. Yeah, yeah it's a basement. It's a, it's basement. a basement. You try to light incense down here, but... It's very nice. It's a very spacious basement. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking this way, if you're a just... Space, a spacement. A spacement. <laughs> it's very nice. Don't get a lot of water down here. It's good to keep records. Oh, that is... Yeah, that's good. You know, drum sets. Yeah, we're right in front of the wall of records. A wall of records. A not wall. Even a wall of records. Yeah. That's upstairs. There's multiple, unfortunately. What are you going to do? Well, we all make choices. <laughs> we all make choices. Some of them are surrounded by records. Um, is vinyl as flammable as it used to be? <laughs> I don't know, man. I just feel bad when I croak. When I croak, someone's going to be like, what the fuck, man? Uh, what the fuck? We were talking about it at work. We were talking about how they did a moving job of a guy who had a ton of vinyl records and how the worst. Each, each box was like 80 pounds. It's the worst. And I said, well, my friend Luke probably has 15 to 25 boxes. Of Do you remember when we moved? <laughs> we moved in here. What was the worst thing to move? Out of all the couches, all the shit. It's the box after box after box after box after box of records. Because a square box of records is like fucking 55 pounds. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Do you remember we had like the bread loaf things? We were lifting them in on bread loaves at one point, like the the things like if you go to work at McDonald's. I, I don't think I helped with this moving process. You did. But I think me and Mike did the bread. We like the I think those, I loaded the rest in and you came on this side. I don't remember. Possibly. We de- we definitely loaded records though. We loaded the couch to the front window as well. Mm. That was fun. Um, anyway, so we are going to talk about some records that we shared with each other and listened to for the first time as ourselves. And uh, these are oldies, but goodies. Um, yours comes from the mid-80s. What are we talking about now, Luke? Yeah, so um, like two weeks ago, I like I don't know what came over me, but I was in the record store, and for some reason I was compelled to buy a copy of Sonic Youth's Daydream Nation. 
Had you ever listened to Sonic Youth really before? Um, no, I'm going to be straight with you. I listened to Superstar, and that is it. The Carpenters cover off of uh, that the tribute album from the 90s, and that was oh. all I had listened to. See, Sonic Youth, I would think, would be right in your wheelhouse. Now oh. it is, now that it's in your... Oh, my God. It is like I'm completely obsessed at the moment. Mm. Um, once I listened to Daydream Nation, I was like, oh, this sounds like every band I love, like mm-hmm. literally every band I love. Um, but the record I chose to talk about today was, um, Evolve. Evolve? Evolve? Yeah, Evolve. It's Love Backwards, I know that. Yes, by Sonic Youth. Great Um, cover. Yes, this came out before Daydream Nation. Um, Mm -hmm. I bought that record like two weeks ago, and then I bought, um, Evolve, I bought, uh, Sisters, and then I also bought, uh, Goo. Did you buy Goo? Okay, there There it is. Major label. Debut. Debut. Um, I would have bought Bad Moon Rising, but I couldn't find a store with a copy. Oh, that's their second, first album. Second album. Second album. Kind of. Kind of. Some EPs, mm, yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so I chose Evolve to um, mm-hmm. do because it is one that I was, like, just lo- getting into when Jeff was texting me about, like, doing, like, uh, record reviews, or we were texting about doing record reviews this week, and, um... This is one that I just was like starting to get into where I had obsessed about Daydream Nation all like the week before mm-hmm. and um I was ready to really get into this one and um ironically it has a lot to do sonically and spiritually with the other album I picked by Low. <laughs> yeah. They went together like hand in glove. They, like these yeah. two records are like made for each other mm-hmm. in completely different decades. Um yeah. but yeah, so Sonic Youth Evil, I would say this record, I am like just as obsessed with it as Daydream Nation in a different way. Um, it's the complete like it's it's a great guitar record. Um, mm. It has a lot of you know softer moments like the low album has, um, but it's also got some crazy great noisy moments. Um, so let's start off. Are you a fan of the Sonic Youth, Jeff? Have you gotten into it before? Um, I have before, uh, when I was in college and I was going through my period of just down pirating every album that's ever existed in music history. I listened to Daydream Nation. I listened to Goo. Um, I believe those were the only two that I listened to. And I thought, hmm, like it, appreciate it, moving on, because it's not exactly what I love. I do love elements of the band's sound. Um, I love... Kim Gordon, first and foremost, as a singer and person and icon and just a cool, like, the epitome of, like, the cool rock chick, She's if you will. the coolest. Um, she is. And uh, I like the guitar sounds of Lee Ronaldo and Thurston Moore. I like the concept of all of the alternate tunings. They pretty much, after their f- first debut EP, they almost... N- never played a song in standard tuning ever again um they pick a lot of tunings that have multiple drone strings um and it's it's uh it's feeling music it's not chords music it's 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 chord structure i mean it's song structure is without caring about like are you playing the one four five are you playing e a b d minor like it's all about just making the sound of the song Yes, sound, um, very soundscapey. Yeah, and this I know this record, Evol, uh, was the first record done with Steve Shelley on drums, and I think Steve Shelley was with the band until they dissolved in, like, 2011. Yes. So this is the first of the stable lineup uh, that Tim, O'Rour- Tim O'Rourke added to the band in the late 90s or early 2000s, but this four-piece was Sonic Youth for almost 30 years yes also uh this was the first record released on sst records oh uh, black your flags favorite. record label yes my fave greg greg ginn's record label yes right? um yeah it's it's great and like you said the low comparison um thurston moore and kim gordon the front people of sonic youth are once again husband and wife and so it's another kind of like longing and emotional frustration and etc coming from a husband wife team uh which is interesting and even like on the back cover we're staring at right now the band picture is in a cut out heart shape and 
Yeah, like emotions the, are run high in this band. They're mellow, but they run high. Yes, <laughs> that makes sense. Like, um, okay. So first of all, I think this album is like what what made me stay away from Sonic Youth for so long was what is what I mainly like love about it now is I had this preconceived notion that they were like artsy fartsy and like <laughs> yeah. like you know like highbrow art and okay. like I was so against that and like my punk rock like you know like you know i'm an everyman like they're playing and all these crazy tunings this has everything to do with punk rock and hardcore and all those great things it has embodies all of that shit and just spits it out in like a different way that is more arty that thinks about it because like honestly like the limitations of punk and hardcore and all that shit like is just it really kind of like um, ends up cannibalizing itself in its own like uh, limitations of what the art form is, you know, yeah. loud, fast, that kind of thing. Where this takes that energy of like punk and like shifts it and subverts it into like soundscapey drone guitars, yeah. reminiscent of like Stooges stuff, um, but like mixed with like um, like 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 beat. Like I love like the beat. Um, lyrics on like the beat poetry lyrics right, of right. this that are like became popular like in that time in the eighties. Um, the I think it's uh, I I don't remember the name of the song on here. I think it might be Greenlight, the um car crash song, where it's like the uh it's Lee Ronaldo and he's like he's singing about like um about how like this car is like speeding down the highway and it gets in a really terrible car crash and it's like very the lyrics are like very dense and pushed together mm-hmm. and um that's like something like a really artsy like um lyrical piece on here also mike watt from the Minuteman uh plays bass on that song right it's one of the first songs he played bass on too after um after his bassist died in a van crash. yes so or like, his guitar yeah guitars. guitarist yeah so um that song is really interesting i love um kim gordon's um shadow of a doubt like the Kiss me in the shadow of a doubt with like the really like spacious like boom 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 and like chiminess mm-hmm. going on in the background. Um, it's almost like synth pop, but it's like guitar based. Yeah. Um, and I love the whispery lyrics of that. Um, what else do I love on here? Oh, I mean, okay, so Expressway to Your Skull mm-hmm. or Sean Madonna and Me, whichever title you're going yeah. by, yeah. um, is my favorite song in this record. Um. I love the droney guitar. Like, the the droney guitar for me, it's, like, this is one of my favorite guitar records of, like, all time now. Just, I love the solo of Expressway to Your Skull. And I love on how the album on the vinyl version, it gets so, like, chaotic and it builds into this, like, really dissonant jam. And then it ends on a, um, a locked groove. So, like the jam goes on forever and ever into like this noise piece that never ends. And I just really love all of those aspects of this record. It's like, it's super interesting guitar music. And for me, having listened to like every guitar thing like that available, this to me, like really opened like a whole nother like door for me of like guitar rock music. It showed me like it in a whole different light of like what, guitar music could be and i know like everybody yeah. says that but like that it really did blow my mind it's like because you're putting like completely different song structures and all these different ideas into like um like you're almost like setting it into like a pop song but all these different ideas are like crazy abstract that would never be in that kind of song yeah and this music is still very influential because um you go on the internet and there's a billion sonic youth like influence bands like like you said uh you've mentioned the velvet underground how everyone who listened to their debut made a band i feel that same way anybody who was really into sonic youth i think made a band at some point because it's very diy aesthetic uh it's very much like figuring out how to express yourself on in maybe even on instruments that you don't have like a mastery of so to speak um, I watched a video on Thurston Moore's guitar tunings and he is like, yeah, I just sat with my jazz master and I like strum strings. And so you hear what the EADGBE sounds like. And then I would just twist a tuning peg 
And then I twist it until I was like, oh, that kind of makes that open chord a little better. And then I'd pick another tune peg and I'd twist that one way or the other. And I'd be like, oh, I like how that chord sounds. And he just basically twisted it until like the open jangling chord gave him like some kind of musical impression and like feeling. And then he went from there and was just like, well, I'll uh, see if I can make any like do, 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 like kind of lines on that tuning. And I'll just kind of like strum that one chord and maybe like find two other places I can go and change things up. Um, it's it's like uh, you get great like beginner's luck kind of shit. Yeah. And it's like the the tones on these albums, like you're not really, I don't really hear these guitar tones on like any other really kind of mm. records. Yeah. But like it's all, what I like about this is it's, it's like, um it's like a collage of like your favorite music mm. kind of thing. Cause like, even like with like goo, like later, like, it's the Pettibone art from the Black Flag stuff. So it's right. got like, the, and that's like the major label stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it, it's got like the, that it pays homage to all that stuff. And then still like, is just forwardly like creative yeah. and interesting. And I don't know. I'm, well, the liner notes from this look like a self-published zine. Yes. That you would find at some punk uh, like farmer's market or right. <laughs> type of collective t today. Like, Right, and then like the lyrics are like based on books and like yeah. literary reference, literary references, and you know, just and they don't sing like I'm in a rock band. It's like Kim Gordon kind of sings, right? And it's like pretty, and it's simple, and it's like unadorned, and you also get three singers too, which it, I That's also true. like on this record. Yeah. You get uh, Lee Ronaldo yeah. and Kim Gordon, and then like uh, Thurston, you know, doing yeah. like uh, Tom Bylance or you know, Express with Your Skull. Mm -hmm. Just like the the different switch up of the voices to get like the feminine soft and then like the awkward boyish, you know, um, Thurston Moore and then like the hyper like illiterate, you know, Lee Ronaldo lyric. It's all like the, those three t together really like mix and make like a perfect, perfect thing. And then I love too like even the cover art man of this record, like the the front is so like. <laughs> the you know like the the girl like in a like a lunge on the ground screaming or... yeah and you know it's the album's love spelled backwards and then you know like on the back like the front is so chaotic and like almost like violent looking yeah. and then the back covers is the band looking like kind of really cool and dorky mm -hmm. in like a heart yeah like you said earlier so it's kind of like the soft too i don't know i just like all the all the texture of this record yeah highly recommended yeah it's not as poppy as Daydream Nation, but it's very rewarding. Yeah, now I'm going to have to go back and listen to other and kind of like feel out their music again because that was, that was almost 15 years ago that I listened to those handful of albums by them. And uh, yeah, I, I do enjoy it more and more because back then when I was young, I kind of wanted it like big and, and mean and like, and like metal. And if it's going to be punk, I want it to be like punk. And this is more, like you said, it's almost arty, but it's it's a thinking man's post-punk type of thing. Yeah, it like that's what I really liked about it. It had all like the youthful energy, but it was like like explained like where it was coming from, or like mm -hmm. y does that make sense? And it's it's like a youthful, emotional, mental energy, and not the physical like ga 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 energy. Yes, yeah. yes, but like mm -hmm. yeah. I did. Yeah, great choice. And and I'm glad you chose this because this is kind of the album that kicks off them going into this more, uh, not really conventional, but more commercial friendly and accessible music. I Absolutely. Say. They, yeah. they kept writing songs that were more melodic. Songs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, they're the songs. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, it's, it's Sonic Youth. Um, check it out. If you like Black Flag, punk music, guitar music, Black Flag makes some of the most, I mean Black Flag, um, Sonic Youth makes some of the most interesting guitar music um, that really just, because like everybody always says like, oh, it's so difficult. If you listen to like half the shit I've listened to, this is not the most difficult thing I've listened to by a stretch, and I definitely thought it was going to be. I thought this was going to be like a really challenging record, and it was like, this is not that challenging in, in yeah. today's conventions, not at all. Like a modern, and it's not, I mean, it's modern-ish. It was almost a decade ago or over a decade ago. But um, this is like the grand, the grandparent or the parent of bands like Yeah, Yeah, Yes. Yeah. Where it's, 
post-punky, but it's catchy. It has, like, you can remember the songs. It's not just like, oh, the next song, oh, the next song. Yeah, um, it definitely is the root of every, like, Sonic Youth is the root of all your favorite indie bands. Mm-hmm. All of them. Uh, like, you know. Now we got to get you into my my bloody Valentine. Oh, I'm I'm getting there. Oh, okay. I'm getting that's, there. Because my bloody Valentine to... is the is the wall of sound that kind of was there on that low record, and it and it's meeting. I've been trying to uh find a physical copy of Loveless, so uh, for I, less than ninety dollars. Yeah, so I can God, like God I can speed. listen. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so I can like listen to a a copy of it. Also, a record I used to feel like I saw all the time, like ten years ago, and now I never see anywhere. Like well, even CD copies, and now those are going for crazy too. Yeah, I mean. Just like Sonic Youth, My Bloody Valentine is like shoegaze, and that eighty, that late eighties sound is so back with indie bands now. Well, well so that's why you can't you, find these albums. What do you think my palette has? My palette has been <laughs> Sonic Youth, Daydream Nation, uh, Gish by nineteen ninety one Smashing Pumpkins. Yep, Gish, uh, Dinosaur Junior's first yeah, record. Yeah. Um, Bikini, Bikini Kill. Kill. So everything's from nineteen eighty seven to nineteen ninety two. Uh, Surfer Rosa by the Pixies has oh, been yeah. in there, heavy in the mix. Yeah, it's been very heavy late '80s, early '90s around here. Lots of emotions here in the basement. Don't you know it? Let's get to our <laughs> last record, which is a record that has been sitting in the basement. <laughs> that's very funny. For like this, Jeff was like, "I want to <laughs> talk about this record," and I'm like, "I wonder if that's the the record that I've been like passing by in the basement that didn't have a sleeve on it." I found this record <laughs> crammed in another record, and I was like, "This is, this shouldn't be in here." That's awesome. And uh, <laughs> lo and behold, it was that record, and I put it on the turntable. Yeah. So uh, my choice, because I wanted to, you know, I went with like country-ish, modern rock, girl power type music, and I wanted to go a completely different direction, and I chose. Um, Miss, Mr. Magic by Grover Washington Jr. from 1974, which was like, it's a, it's a standout in the, uh, jazz funk, funk jazz genre. It's one of those albums from the mid seventies. It's only four tracks long. It features just absolute killers on it. Uh, Grover Washington Jr. is a sax player, so he plays alto, soprano, and tenor sax, um, Bob James plays keyboard on the record, and Bob James is like the keyboard player from smooth jazz, etc., in the 1970s and 80s. Um, it features Ralph McDonald on percussion, it features Harvey Mason on drums. Harvey Mason, uh, famously was a drummer for Herbie Hancock. Uh, and Harvey Mason's the drummer on the Headhunters record. So it's like the tightest, funkiest, like in the pocket, unobtrusive drumming of all time. Um, Eric Gale on guitar. Phil Upchurch plays bass on a track. Phil Upchurch, uh, known for being a lead guitar player in uh, Donny Hathaway's band. And Gary King, who played with everybody, Roberta Flack, etc., in the 70s, plays bass on the other three tracks. Um this album is just like it is taking the baton from the Herbie Hancock Headhunters record and just carrying it with kind of a little bit more smooth jazz, this, a little bit more like where Headhunters is like jazz fusion, right? Like to the like the T, yeah. like it's the jazz fusion record. Right. This is the smooth. This version, is like the smooth yeah. jazz version of that. Yeah. So, also, the four it's it, the, when I like put it on. I've never listened to this record before, like this week, and I was like, the, it had four songs on it, yeah. and as soon as I put it on, and heard the animal noises. I was like, <laughs> oh, I was like yeah. oh boy, here, yeah, I was like, here we is, go, here we go. That's the most hand. That's the most Herbie Hancock track is the opener, uh, Earth Tones, uh, which has bird sounds and you know leaves rustling mixed in at times yo it's got seagull noises yeah. it ends i think it's yeah it's there's the, like two minutes of bird sounds in like it, the alto the sax yeah. solo ends and then like seagull noises come in yeah. and then the keyboard solo comes in yeah. it is wild and that song remi- that song reminds me of the track sly from the headhunters record like even melodically like the theme is so similar um and that's like the long burn track of the four because it's like almost 13 minutes long uh the opener um but it shows everybody off it has 
there's like more guys, more people playing on the record. There's like a larger horn section that is featured on that track. And then you got the second track, which is Passion Flower, which is like very mellow, very understated drums. 70 strings. 70 strings, heavy string arrangement. Super gooey. Super gooey. Um, lots of soprano sax on Passion Flower, which is a cover. It's their version of a Billy Strayhorn track. Billy Strayhorn famously um, wrote like "Take the A Train," "Take the A Train" for Duke Ellington, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then the reason why I know this out, or the reason why I want to listen to this album for the first time, the third track is "Mr. Magic," the title track, and that's like sampled, sampled funk track, like back in the mid '70s where instrumental jazz funk out uh, tracks would be on black radio stations. Like I, I got turned on to this because the drummer, in my cover band, Mikey Winslow plays in a uh, jazz funk, funk jazz soul band called the subliminals. And they played Mr. Magic at a gig. And my uncle, a black man from New York city immediately heard it and went, Oh shit. And I turned to him like, I don't know this track. Like, I kind of recognize almost every other thing he played, but I, I don't know this. And he was like, this is Mr. Magic, man. This is Grover Washington. I said, Grover Washington? I, I know that name, Grover Washington. And I went on my phone. I'm like, oh, Grover Washington, the featured artist for the song Just the Two of Us featuring Bill Withers on vocals, which everyone knows, right. which is like a smooth jazz standard. And Grover Washington, I went deep and I'm like, yo, this cat played with everybody. And he was like the band leader for the mid seventies of like right where jazz fusion, funk jazz and smooth jazz all blended together. Yeah. It's like the, this period of time almost reminds me of how like, um, like all that, like Miles Davis, like modal jazz turned into like R and B jazz in the right. early, early sixties. Like all this jazz fusion turned mm. into like smooth, like eighties R and B jazz. Yeah. Like the, it like, I mean, it led to the worst. It led to the Kenny G's of the world, but, like, you but, know what I mean? Yeah. It's the same, but this is, like, the birth of that. Right, and this is, like, you could call this smooth jazz because it's not bebop and it's not hard bop, but it is it it's is more on the fu- It's on the fusion. It's more, yeah. like, the funk fusion end yeah, of it. Yeah. It has more to do with Headhunters than it has anything to do with Kenny G. Right, because there's, there's a lot of cool percussion textures and a lot of cool electronics and Fender Rhodes keyboard and a lot of layers of different types of saxes oh the fender Rhodes on this record this bob is a james cool, man. Dude, bob james and this fender nasty Rhodes. nasty nasty on this whole record yeah. it, it stands out tasteful too um and mr magic is like it's a track um great side two opener and it's just melodic as hell it's the chorus on oh. the song is so i wrote yeah. down killer chorus because you remember it yeah when it hooked back in i was like damn and it's the thing i love about that track it starts with little fender road stabs and then the guitar comes in on this like single double line that has all this dissonance and it's these notes that hang together and crunch together and uh yeah, beautiful, great guitar solo by Eric I was Gale just gonna, on that record. I was going to say, I wrote cut. down that the guitar solo on that cut was oh, crazy good. Also, yeah. um, shout out to whoever's playing the shaker during that guitar solo. It is so solidly yeah. in time. Yeah. I listened to the shit in headphones. It was like, yeah. so, it was so funky. So a thing, because as I researched, I one of those things where you think, who writes the music? So Bob James wrote the first track. I saw that. Bob James wrote the last track, co-wrote the last track with Grover Washington. Mr. Magic and Just the Two of Us, written by the percussion player, Ralph McDonald. Really? So like a dude from uh, Tobago, right? Trinidad and Tobago. A dude from Tobago with just a great knack for melody and just some a hook and probably like sang it in the studio like i have this melody idea probably just sang it and they played it and he's like yeah let's do this can we bring it to this part for the bridge can we do these hits and and it's like that and just two of us are so like just in your bones type of melodies they're so see okay because i wrote of mr magic i wrote reminds me of bill withers 
right. And that, but then I was like, I don't know if I just am doing that because I know the connection already between <laughs> right. the two of them. Yep. But this this song, Mr. Magic, sounds like a Bill Withers track mm. of that period. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. it's funky as all hell. It's so good. Did yeah. you notice the drums fuck up in the um in the opening track? Um. Oh yeah, the first track. Yeah, Earth Tones. Do you hear the drums fuck up? Like probably like forty five seconds in. Yeah. It's like the. He's doing like sixteen. He gets notes. off a little bit. Yeah, on the hi hat comes back in. Yes, I just wanted to know if you yeah. heard it like I heard yeah. it because I was like, man, I was like, that's a big, that's a pretty big fuck up, and I like to leave in the record. But that's like, I think that's the Herbie Hancock school, which is, yo, the grooves gonna keep going on, man. It's just, it's just sounds, and especially tr- the first track, it's like fucking nature sounds, and it it gets like. Dun, 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 I don't think fast and big. I don't so. think anybody would notice it besides me. But yeah. like, I was like, man, that that's weird. Yeah, I heard it. I couldn't tell. I assume it's drum track. It could have been percussion, but I think it is. Yeah, hi hat. Um, yeah, it's that. It's that shit. It gets off for like just a second, and then gets right back on. But I was yeah. like, huh. That's yeah. <laughs> to me, that's one of those like happy jazz cat accidents yeah, where slide. he's probably just pushing it, and then he just like sits back and catches on the next bar. Yeah. Um, and then so the last track, Black Frost, is uh, Black Frost is another great track because that's like there sounds like there's some kind of like chorus effect on the saxes the whole time. It kind of has this deeper, like thicker, almost electronic type of thing that comes from when you chorus put chorus effect on things, especially mid seventies putting a chorus. That means you're using like a rack effect and you're actually like tweaking fucking shit. <laughs> right. You're you're like making it weird like a synthesizer. Um, yeah, just, just excellent, man. And I can't tell you enough about the dudes who play on this record because they all played together for like the next 20 years, like Harvey Mason, the drummer and Bob James went on to make the true smooth jazz quartet for play F O U R play. Um, Ralph McDonald played with those guys for the, until he died in 2011, 2012, um, Grover Washington, I think he died in the early 90s, but he played with everybody through the rest of his life. And he, he died in like the set of the Today Show. Did he? Bummer. Bummer. Yeah. Big time bummer. Yeah. If I'm dying of the Today Show. Yeah. Yeah. You think like Matt Lauer's the last guy you saw. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. But, so Grover Washington... Mr. Magic, four four cuts. It's like thirty four minutes, probably. Yeah, this is a great intro to jazz record, by and, the way. And like, if you're gonna go, if you like Grover Washington, I highly recommend the other people of that era. So, uh, Herbie Hancock stuff from the seventies. I recommend Bob James's solo stuff from the seventies. These dudes were all sampled by everybody in the like nineteen eighty eight to nineteen ninety four era of hip hop. Roy Ayers, Ubiquity who's a vibraphone player, his stuff, Donald Byrd, who was a trumpet player. They all played together. They all, these were like the oh, titans. Oh, yeah, it's also of, sounded like uh, that Bobby Hutchison's record. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Um, so, yeah, I think like, because I've always been a jazz dude, and as I get older, it's like, the more I become just like an old man and kind of just, I like the... The smooth jazz is good, Yeah, man. I like the... Because it's still funky. It's st- There's still like edge on it. It's not like fucking elevator music. Like these are dudes... Because this was all music made by dudes in their late 20s, early 30s still. And dudes who were wearing fucking, you know, uh, spandex like leisure suits and <laughs> fucking doing cocaine and like going to the disco shit. Like these are still cool dudes. Um, <laughs> these are still cool dudes. It's Listen, if <laughs> I want to know if, like, in modern times, Jeff sees a dude in like a leisure suit doing coke, and the chef's like, "That's a cool guy." That's a cool guy. Um, <laughs> Try it out. But like, I just think like this what this was hip music at the time, and for me, like, this is timelessly hip. And as I become that age of these dudes, I think is when I'm like, yeah, I'm into this fucking groove. Like, I feel like I'm going around the turntable with them and I'm locked in with them. Like, yeah, yeah, man. Like, there's something about, like, putting, like, a record like this on and just, like, bop it around your house in the morning. Yeah. It, like, puts, like, a mood in. And it's just, like, it's, I don't know. It's, like, a, I hear you, man. Because it's not, like, every day. You don't need to listen to, like, Ornette Coleman every day. Like, sometimes you just want to, like, put yeah. this on and, like, chill. And it's a, it's a mood, man. Yeah. Like, if you put this on for people that are, like, 
more of just like oh. modern radio listeners and you put yeah. something like this on there they're gonna be like oh what is this and like it it's because it it yeah. does hit like a lot of hip-hop stuff yeah. but it's like smooth and like yeah. you know it's got like all that good like yacht rock like flavor that was popular like right that's been, that's been yeah. like coming back in in vogue like especially yeah. with like john mayer now right you know it's got like a lot of that good shit in it but it's also just like got like a lot of hip-hop drums and you know what i mean yeah, yeah. it's uh yeah throw on your leisure suit <laughs> yeah man <laughs> try it out try it out um so that's our music review uh recap once again your albums your new album by low is called i think it's called what the no, hey now. It's called no. shit, man. Hey, is it hey now? <laughs> Wait, what is <laughs> it called? It's two words. We're messing it hey, up yeah? so bad. Now, now you. <laughs> it's two words. Now you. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> now you is such a great album <laughs> name. Now you. Now you. Um, no, it's it's called hey hey what? Oh, hey what? And and your old oldie but goodie is uh Sonic U's E Ball. And uh, my new one is Rhett Madison's Pin Up Daddy, and my old classic is Grover Washington Jr.'s Mr. Magic. Yo, what is the name of that low album right now without looking? <laughs> hey, now? Hey, hey, you. Hey, now. Hey, now. All right, let's see. Let's see. It's just, it's hey, what? Oh, God damn. <laughs> he's just said it 15 seconds. I know. I couldn't remember it either. All right. Well, we've learned from this. You got to, come on. You got to hit, you got to strike a little harder for the gold for a record name. We can't just throw fucking two, three, three letter yeah, words. Yeah, it's e- you either can't. Mr. Magic. I'm not going to forget that. Mr. Magic. Pin up day. I'm not going to evolve. I'm not going to remember that. Actually, what is it? I. <laughs> hey, what? Hey, what? Okay, okay. I remember now. Um, also, I did forget the name of Mr. Magic today and wrote that the name was Al- uh, Magic Man while making my notes. And I was like, no, that's not no, right. No, that's a heart record. <laughs> um, so anyway, enjoy them. Check them out. Stream them. Buy them. Spin them. Enjoy them. Yeah. Get in the garage. Oh. Guys. Oh, return. <laughs> <laughs> return of the conductor himself. <laughs> we'll see you next week. This has been a presentation from the Wasted Robot Network. For more information, and links to other shows please visit www.wastedrobotrecords.com slash podcasts.